Hi, my name's Shelley Flett. Welcome to the Dynamic Leader Podcast, where I share insights, experiences, successes, and failures with leaders from across a broad range of industries and business structures. I maintain that each of us needs to be open to sharing our experiences and making the leadership playground safe enough to fail, to grow, to have fun, and ultimately become more dynamic. So please sit back and enjoy. Hi there, and welcome back to another Dynamic Leader Conversation. Today, I am talking about culture. It is something that I make reference to in a lot of the other content that I share, uh, but it hasn't actually been something that I've spoken about in isolation before. Uh, Not sure why, uh, something that I've actually kind of avoided in the background. Um, What I'm going to share with you are purely my views Um, They are for you to consider and ponder and maybe broaden your perspective with. Um, They are by no means an expert's opinion, uh, but I think tie quite nicely into the discussion around leadership and the role that leaders play with regards to culture. Um, Culture is a hard topic to quantify, uh, but it is super important to organisations. It's important to leaders, uh, it's important to teams and Most definitely, it's important to individuals when you can get up in the morning and work in an environment that has an amazing culture that is strong and cohesive and supportive. It makes so much difference. Culture is so important that it can actually be the difference between success and failure of not only an individual, but as a team, uh, as an organization, even as an industry. Uh, And we've seen you know, uh, examples of this that have popped up um, here and there over the last decade. Um, Culture, I think, is not about the individual. It's about the collective. And while one person can't change culture alone, they can have an impact. It is the behaviours and the expectations of each individual that create a culture. And it is the behaviours and expectations of individuals over time Um, and the consistency of those that uh, will make long-lasting impacts on culture. I often hear that culture starts at the top of an organisation, and um, I believe that to a certain extent. I hear that, you know, leaders um, can control the culture and they can set it, which I don't agree with uh, at all. I believe that a leader can influence the culture, And I believe that they can set expectations and they can model the behaviours that they wish to see in others. But ultimately, it is the collective energy of the system that will determine the culture. And I'll explain a little bit more about that concept of system um, in a moment. But first, I'd like to talk about the role of a leader when it comes to culture. For all of you who are leaders out there, which I think is most of our listeners, When you are in a position, a leadership position, you generally have some kind of control from a hierarchical or structural perspective. You might be a manager, you might have direct reports, you might be leading a project or initiative. And the manager component of your leadership will have people looking at you with a different lens and perhaps a different amount of respect or maybe a different element of criticism. Uh, They'll be watching you and they'll always be be watching and looking closely at what you're doing and saying and being. And they'll do that more so than what they would with a teammate or a peer at the same level. 
We all unconsciously look towards the more senior members of any environment, whether that be our work environment, our home environment, our cultural and tribal environment. And we look for cues around what is acceptable and what is not. And then we reproduce that in our own behavior and we play that out over a period of time. And this is why uh, it is so important for leaders to set the standard around their own behavior because it is what people are seeing. It's the reason also why organizational values can be so effective when they're embraced by leaders and referred to on a regular basis. And I've spoken about values-based conversations before and happy to refer more information to those that are interested. Um, Values-based conversations are extremely um, beneficial and effective for setting the culture and also um, making sure that the standards that you would expect from your employees and even yourself are consistent with what the organization is hoping to achieve. It is those referrals to the values, it is the conversations that happen on a regular basis that make the difference, but it's also the actions and the and expectations and what people um, believe is right and wrong and what is acceptable and what is not. It's equally interesting to see what happens when leaders don't live and breathe their organizational values. Um, you know, they simply, the values simply become a poster on the wall or a bunch of words on a website and if the leader doesn't set the standard around the values and, and bring them into everyday conversation, it's rare for the team to initiate an alignment to those values at all. They will tend to create their own and build a culture that is not necessarily in line with what the organization is um, wanting to achieve. So because of the influence that a leader can have, it is so important for you to understand that it isn't just what you say that determines your culture. If anything, it's making sure that what you say aligns with what you are doing and that what you are wanting within your culture operates with integrity and that you lead the journey in that respect, that your focus is around following through on your own commitments and also doing the right thing consistently and over extended period of time. One of the things that I see eroding culture is a leader that says one thing and does something else or a leader that expects something of their people that they actually don't uphold themselves. I think it is easier to talk about the things that destroy a culture than it is to talk about the things that build a strong culture. Um, it's very easy to, to destroy a culture and you can do that in moments. Um, and particularly if you don't have open dialogue and trusting relationships, you may never know the reason why your culture has shifted uh, and not in a good way. So being focused on what are the everyday activities that will make a difference to culture uh, is really helpful for leaders. One-off activities um, that just pay lip service to something, whether that be lip service to the vision or the values or um, employee engagement or diversity or any, any of these um, issues or challenges that organizations are faced with um, doesn't actually help to change things in a sustainable long-term way. One-off activities are generally unhelpful um, if they're not part of a broader program or if they're not done consistently. It's the same with a leader who will focus on one thing one week and then not focus on it again until it becomes a problem six or 12 months later. A leader, on the other hand, who is consistent 
in what they're saying and also what they're doing is predictable. And when a leader is predictable, their team can then anticipate what, how, when, where and why something is the way that it is. And with that prediction, they can operate ahead of it, which means that progress for the team can take place even when the leader is not available or present. And it is this kind of culture that is self-sustaining and it is empowering and it is where individuals know how to make the decisions because they have observed their leader doing that as well. Aside from what you say and what you do, the third component around your effectiveness as a leader when it comes to culture is who you're being and whether or not you are operating with authenticity and in a consistent manner, both inside and outside of work. What people don't want to see is one version of a person that they work with for a large number of hours in the week and throughout their lives and then a completely different person outside of work. It erodes their um, trust in you and they're not really sure about who the real person is and whether that real person is operating inside or outside of work. Authenticity is a leadership strength and we've heard about this for over a decade and how we all need to tap into our genuine nature and live our true selves and I think being able to align who we are in and outside of work is one way to do that is to connect the two. Um, But still, I think that leaders continue to find this a challenge and often struggle with the divide between who they are at work and who they are outside of work. And it's definitely a conversation that I talk to leaders about on a regular basis, that what have you got to lose by showing who you really are? If it's not illegal or moral or um, anything unethical, um, then does it matter If you're sharing that with your people, maybe you might find a connection that you both align with. Maybe that'll draw strength and trust within your relationships. Um, And so if you're a leader who um, avoids um, showing your true self in the workplace, then, um, you know, permission to let the guards down a little and, and give that a go. And I think whilst the COVID related lockdowns and working from home have helped to bridge the divide with that work versus home version of oneself, um, there's still a long way for leaders to progress um, across the board. It comes really um, from operating from a position of conviction and confidence within yourself. Um, And for a relationship perspective, how a leader can influence culture will be through a combination of what is being said and how you're saying it, as well as what you're doing and how you're doing it, and who you're being across all of that, um, both inside and outside of work. So the more the three, what I say, what I do, who, I, who I'm being align, the greater impact you're going to have on culture, the greater the level of trust you're going to have, the more likely your people will um, follow your direction and have faith in your ability to make the right decisions for the betterment of everyone so if you have if you feel like you've got a problem with your culture the first place to look is absolutely in the mirror and understand that you are probably part of the problem and look at those elements around say do and be Um, for teams There are other elements that also impact culture that is outside of the leader and um, notwithstanding one of the biggest impacts 
um, is the makeup of the system to, of the collective up to a certain point. So many leaders have not been in their role for you know decades or long periods of time. Uh, a lot of leaders will only have been in their role a couple of years. And so you'll have entered a team where there is already a culture established. And it's this concept of a system or the team itself, an environment where multiple components come together to achieve something united. And when any part of a system or a team changes, the whole system changes. It's like uh, when you're having a conversation with a group and someone joins the conversation or leaves the conversation, that there are moments where there is a subtle shift of the dynamics of the group. It can be seen really easily with um, leaders when their energy shifts. So when a leader enters a conversation, you often hear a pause and then the conversation will kick off again. Uh, and when a leader leaves a conversation, um, the dialogue also shifts to um, either being less or more formal and rigid. So often I see when a leader enters, the um, conversation becomes very formal and um, more structured and there's less banter and there's less opinions that are given and it can really shut down the um, dynamics of the team and if that is the case um, then the leader themselves has a bit of work to do on the impact that they're having on the culture because there seems to be two at play. Um, the same thing happens on um, in general conversations where a person leaves and the system adjusts while a new rhythm is found and I like the alignment between the shifts in a system and also culture because I think that when any part of a team or system or environment changes, the culture will need to adjust and um, create a change that will allow uh, harmony to be restored and a new way of working. And so culture is changed by a number of small changes over a long period of time, a sustained period of time. Uh, I think there can be things um, that are big that change cultures overnight. Uh, I think that's really disruptive and if it can be avoided, that's probably best. It can have a big shock for people and you might lose um, you might lose some high performers and top talent if it's not managed in the right way. Um, and so being consistent over a long period of time and being intentional about what you're doing is what's going to have the longest and greatest impact on your culture. I think it's important also to understand that the longer a culture has been established, the more ingrained um, behaviours and expectations that team members have will be. And if there is a new thing that enters that environment and it's very different to what already exists within the system or within the team, that the team will attempt to eliminate that thing in order to restore harmony, in order to function as it was previously. So this concept around homeostasis, you know, how can we remain the same because there's not a, uh, a big need to change? And I think culture is when it is there and it is set and it is comfortable, it is very hard to shift. It's not impossible, but I think leaders can often go in with an idea of what their impact can be and then be a little bit deflated by nothing shifting uh, quickly 
and so they can give up and maybe not necessarily um, stay the course and all you're doing there is just confirming that the culture that is there uh, when you come in is the right one and it will grow stronger uh, with each failed attempt at leaders trying to shift that culture. So if you're a new leader to a well-established team, uh, I would take a leaf out of the first 90 days book where the first 30 days should be nothing more than observing, connecting, building awareness with individuals and with the team and around the culture. It is being really curious and not looking to come in with your own agenda to change things that aren't broken, but to understand how a team functions, what is working well for the collective and how they might see opportunities to improve as a collective. And so your second 30 days might be looking at how you might influence the culture but still not taking an active approach, being very passive in that. What I'll say is that influencing a culture is a long play. It is not something that can be achieved quickly. It is about meeting with the group. It is about understanding their abilities. It is about asking questions and challenging thinking in order to broaden perspectives and then gently nudging or uh, opening up different ways of thinking or different ways of viewing, giving new exposures and new experiences, all very gently and in a safe environment. And it is doing that over a long period of time that will help to shift the culture in a sustainable and long-term way. And, you know, you can see that the... Um, need for people to rush into the changing of culture actually does more damage than it does good and given that leaders aren't in their same roles for too long they're only there for a couple of years they want to get in and make their mark and make the difference as quickly as they can which is really counterproductive so the playing the long game um, is definitely the um, best way to go and if I think about going in and shifting a culture um, quickly. I remember moving into a role when I was in a leadership position and I was very enthusiastic and I had a huge desire for change and I had come from a team who had transformed into an amazing high-performing group of individuals and that I took that and um, was able to, thought I was able to replicate that in the new environment and I remember one of the um, staff in my new team actually said to me that um, they didn't believe in me. They didn't think I had what it took to lead. They questioned who I was and who I thought I was trying to be and trying to change when I entered the um, team. And uh, he made a point that he had been doing his job um, since I was a baby and so I was, he was a little bit older than what I was. Um, he had a whole lot more confidence and he had seen leaders come and go. And one of the things he said was, we will wait you out. You can do your best, but you will be like all of the other leaders who will come and go and we will still remain. And I took that as a challenge to go up against and probably, not probably, I definitely approached it in the wrong way. I was way too 
uh, forceful with my approach. I wasn't um, consistent with what I was saying and what I was doing. And I definitely wasn't being my true authentic self. And all I did at the end of the day was reinforce the theory that this one person had that me alone couldn't change what was so well formed. And the culture of that team uh, ensued and persisted for many leaders after my time. And so is there the ability to influence those kind of cultures? Yes, I think there is, but it's about playing the long game and it is about doing it from a position of collaboration and it's about getting the collective involved. And had I have been a little bit more seasoned and maybe a little bit more aware, I would have uh, brought this guy on to the journey and asked him to help me change the things that he thought needed to be changed and maybe let some of the things that I thought needed to be changed um, go for a little while uh, and not be so aggressive in my own um, approach and my own determination for success. So they're all great things in hindsight and one of the reasons that I share this with you on the podcast is don't be too quick to make the changes. Um, the culture that you can create and, and form will be about um, what you can achieve with perseverance and persistence and your ability to really engage in others. So I've got sort of three things that I would offer you in terms of um, initiating cultural change. One is raising the awareness of yourself and raising the awareness of others. It's about asking, you know, what do I want and what do they want? And what is the business direction? And then how do we all start moving in that direction collectively? Not through force, but through inspiration, through curiosity, through trust, um, and through embracing something that um, might be exciting to an individual, but also might be more stabilizing to someone else. And so having the awareness around what is going to work um, for the collective over what's simply going to work for yourself. The second component is around listening and asking questions. And I talk about this a lot. Uh, I talk about the ability to set down judgment and pick up curiosity and ask questions for the purpose of understanding and connecting and really um, appreciating the different ways that people view their role and what that means to them in their career and their life um, and also what it means to the broader team. I think also from a leadership perspective it's not about solving everyone's problems um, it's about taking on what is yours to take on but treating your team like they're adults and not underestimating their ability but finding out where their strengths lie and get them actively involved in creating something that will benefit not just you but the collective and the third component is around taking action uh, and it's important not to act too fast uh, it is also important to follow through on your commitments and that when you do commit to taking an action that you are following through on your commitment and um, you are not um, giving your team any reason to question your judgment or your integrity or your ability to um, follow through and it gives you the ability to hold people accountable so when you're accountable to your own commitments and you take action on the things that you say you're going to take action on then you can also do the same with your team and they can do it within the collective 
So making sure that you're taking the right action with the right people and sustained over a long period of time. So persistence is really, really key. I think finally, from a cultural perspective, is to have conviction in what you do and how you operate and doing that from a position of we and not me. I think sometimes it can be a little bit too tempting to make the success of a team all about the leader and what the individual does, uh, but it's not helpful. It's counterproductive um, and can actually lead to unfavorable outcomes over a longer period. I absolutely believe that a culture can be changed at any level. I've seen it. I've seen cultures that don't change despite shifts in leadership. Uh, I see cultures that endure beyond many, many things. Um, And so culture doesn't necessarily have to be adjusted from the top. It certainly helps if it is. Um, But anyone in any role with at any level, going in any direction, can have an impact on the culture. It all depends on how badly you want the change and how willing you are to persevere long enough to make that change happen. And it also helps if you can get people to come along on the journey and help just relieve some of the um, energy that is consumed uh, when you don't necessarily, um, when when you're doing that on your own, essentially. So, um, I think have a look at your culture. Is it where you want it to be? Is it making the difference that you're wanting it to make? What is it that you could be doing differently to influence the culture? And um, how can you tap into the natural resources that you have in your team um, who can also help to influence the culture as well? And remember, it's all about we, not me. Um, It's all about the success of the collective, not about the success of an individual. So I hope you found those insights um, helpful and um, you know, maybe open up a, a little difference in how you think about culture. Um, culture is extremely important and um, something that we need to pay attention to ongoing all the time. We need to see when it shifts. We need to be able to autocorrect when it goes in the wrong direction. We need to understand who and how and what and when and where um, the differences are being made and we need to be very intentional about all of the things that we do, which kind of just sums up leadership and operating in a dynamic way. So I will leave you with that and I look forward to having another dynamic leader conversation with you very soon. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to another episode of The Dynamic Leader. There is no better time than now to work through your leadership and people strategy, to establish what the future might look like for your business and how you might empower your people to help you succeed. It is through building the capability of your people and reducing their dependency on you that will keep you moving forward at pace and will see you remaining relevant in the future. I have worked with over 100 businesses across almost as many industries and seen firsthand the challenges that come with employing, engaging and managing staff. If you're looking to improve how you lead, why not reach out for a conversation? In the meantime, thanks so much for joining me and stay awesome.